Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Drunk Mud Sess Podcast. I'm Logan, and I'm sitting my COVID ass down on the telephone away from Fatty Boombalady. Care to Wait, say you have COVID? No, I just have a oh, fat you ass. You have a COVID ass. Oh, it's I gained weight during COVID. It's a COVID ass. Oh, okay, that's fair. Mm. I was so I'm I'm working on it though. Intermittent fasting is doing wonders for me, but yeah. Meanwhile, you've called yourself Fatty Boombaladdy, but you have lost like the most weight out of any of us. So I kind of take offense to that. Uh, uh, I, st- I still I still take pride in the fact that you know I'm a big guy. I'm not like skinny. And uh, I, skinny. <laughs> I, I think you're you're base you're getting there. You're you're I wouldn't call you you basic skinny, but you're you're getting there. Anyway. I have lost more weight than I really wanted to, but that's never a bad. I mean, I didn't lose like a significant more amount than I wanted to, but I'm at a respectable. Do you do you care to tell the fans who you are, or you know, this is Ozzy, everybody, Ozzy. Oh, oh yeah, this is Ozzy. I'm, I am Fatty Boombalati. I mean, yeah. You know me from my sultry, sultry voice from. Uh, yeah, you, as you can tell. How long have we been doing this? Now that I think about it, I was going to say over the last months, but how long have we been doing this? It's been months? about a year now, so we're, okay. I think we're getting close to our year year anniversary, or wow. maybe this is. Ah, I'd have to actually look at it. But anyway, um, yeah, and then yeah, you've got the uh, sweet, you know, staccato voice, and then you got Kev Nasty with the sultry, like low hanging voice. How's it going, Kevin? Mm. Oh, oh. A little left, a little right. So, Kevin, you were actually the one who came up with this idea for the cast today, even the drinks and the, like, song strategy. Are you kind of regretting that decision right now? He just wanted a little... Uh, all right, so I, I came up with the idea <laughs> of unique items, which weren't really the census on what we drank. We ended up with two-ingredient mixed drinks, which is fun. And I thought that people would go with, oh, rum and coke, or whiskey ginger, and things like that. And I was like, all right, we're going to have, you know, some generic. On the back end, the original proposal was like, so the, the podcast, spoiler alert, will be for one-hit wonders. We're going to listen to, we listen to the entire album of three one-hit wonders. So my idea was to take a unique ingredient, a.k.a. a one-hit wonder for a drink, and kind of have three different drinks for that. And we ended up having three very unique drink combinations that had two ingredients. And I regret everyone's decision except for mine. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you didn't anticipate Ozzy's creativity and my sheer stupidity, because uh, well, <laughs> all the drinks exist. I I feel like I regret the stupidity of man. <laughs> um, for the most well, part, isn't that how you felt listening to one of these albums? Absolutely, I will well, get into that in here. But <laughs> I regret the stupidity of man. Yeah. I was hoping, I was hoping, alright, so, my drink that I chose, two ingredients, ouzo and orange juice, which is stupid. If anyone's ever had 
Uzo, it tastes like fucking licorice. It's black licorice, not your good red Twizzler shit. It tastes like black licorice. It's an anise spirit. And I thought earlier today that it was 60 proof. Turns out it is 80 proof. Uh, uh, so I found that out early. But a little bit of Uzo goes a long way. And um, But that being said, I really enjoyed and orange juice it was I thought it was going to be fucking terrible and it turned out really fucking good I drank one I drank one weeks ago when we decided this and I drank another one today and I've drank in between the ouzo and orange juice it is a staple now for me uh, when I'm feeling something a little citrus a little oily it is really good did anyone else on this podcast purchase Uzo in order to try this drink? Unfortunately not. So, yeah, about that. Um, no. <laughs> uh, I, did a bad, I did a bad job on, on this whole podcast as a whole. I, I will say that music-wise, I procrastinated, but I think I got the gist of the three albums. And then drink-wise, I put effort into mine, but that's about it. Yeah. I tried everybody's. Uh, well, that's good. I'm glad you have the... Uh, perspective on all of them. Uh, drink, drink-wise, with respect, I think your two were a little more complicated for the ingredients to come by, so I just didn't... Uh, I'll be honest, I was lazy and I didn't put the effort into looking. But, uh, yeah, I mean... No, no, I understand. <laughs> Nobody's buying fucking Uzo. Unless you're Greek. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, but that said, I mean, it sounded like an interesting concept, because it, like you said, it's like licorice mixed with orange juice, which... Doesn't sound bad from where I'm sitting now. It, it sounded terrible, but it, it it turned out good. Like a little ouzo goes a long way. I don't know. All to right, me, it sounds like throw that out there, but it just that little tiny bit of oily licorice inside of a citrus drink. It was so good. I've since started adding vodka to it to bring up the proof. Well, to bring up the content of the alcohol without adding way too much fucking licorice flavor because like I said it was very strong uh, but it's it's really fucking good I was not expecting me to like this because I'm you know back in the day we had it as children um, before I was in college I'm sure we had someone got a bottle of Uzo because they went to Greece and we ended up with a bottle of Uzo and it, it it was disgusting I hated it it was black licorice but now it is just you know it's still black licorice but it's oh. just it, it blends so well it kind of like if you mix it with just water or ice it turns white because all the oil comes out of it hmm that's disgusting Dude, it, it's it's super good. I'm telling you right now, it's awesome. You'll uh, everybody who's on this, who listens to this podcast, you'll fucking hate it. I'm gonna tell you that right now. But I really enjoy it. It is something I was very surprised that I enjoyed it, but it was really good. But no, I, I think that's what that's what I like about the the one hit wonder idea is that a lot of these have concepts that I don't really like like I don't like black licorice but maybe the combination of orzo and black licorice works I don't like coffee maybe the combination of mezcal and coffee works um, and then 
wine. I don't really like wine, but I don't think Coke is really going to help. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't. So, yeah, spoiler like, alert. Like whole, like, you know, I don't necessarily like broccoli and cheese, but a lot of people think that when you add them two together, it like makes them better. I like that whole concept. And, you know, I unfortunately we found out that not all of these work. Um, but, I mean, that was part. That was the point, right? And that's the same thing with the albums. I feel like these one-hit wonders were like highlights of the bands. You're like, oh, man, you know, it's not bad. And then you listen to some and you're like, well, that's about as good as it gets. So just to clear up, everybody else's, so I had Uzo and Orange Juice, Ozzy had Mezcal and Coffee, and Logan had Red Wine and Coca-Cola. It's pronounced Calamoco. It's called Calamoco in Spain, so yeah. It's it's just red, it's cheap red wine with some kind of Coke product. So Diet Coke, Coke Zero, it doesn't matter, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to get to mine in a second, but honestly, I kind of like the idea of Kevin's. It sounded interesting because it sounded kind of like a weird Twizzler combination. I don't know if you ever had those, like, orange Twizzlers back when they had those, or, like, I think they were tropical flavored or something. And that actually sounds pretty good, but uh, Ozzy's, I was like, right out the gate, I was like, I don't. I don't like the idea of mezcal with coffee because that just sounds like coffee, and I'm like, I don't, I don't like coffee to begin with, so I don't know what, what's exciting about that. Uh, the Calamoco, though, um, yeah, this is kind of like a beautiful train wreck in your mouth. You know, it's kind of like I don't know why, but I can't stop drinking it. But it's really, it's not, it's not good. I do want to say it's not good. I, I'm gonna let you know. <laughs> what you said was just a complete lie. I know why, and I definitely stopped drinking it. <laughs> uh, I can't stop drinking it because I spend uh, money on wine and Diet Coke, and i got to get this shit out of my house. How about that? Well, all right, so first, first of all, you started off on the wrong foot with Diet Coke. Regular yeah. Coke didn't make it any better. Uh, we had some bad uh, Kirkland wine at the house. It wasn't, like, bad, bad. Like, I couldn't drink the red wine, but it wasn't good for the same price. Like, I know better things for 10 bucks for a bottle. But the main takeaway for me from your drink was that nothing went together. So the everything that you could taste in red wine stood alone. And everything that you could taste in Coca-Cola stood alone. And you put them in the same glass, and none of them melded together. Yeah, they definitely. all fucking just—you just tasted this smorgasbord of horseshit, and it wasn't good. <laughs> it's that's kind of a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, it's supposed to be for those who are unfamiliar with the drink. Apparently, it's pretty popular in Spain. Uh, first, I had heard of it was googling for something that I could mix like this because it's supposed to be like a cheap style of sangria. You know, sangria being wine and fruits mixed together to create kind of like a more fruity, sweeter kind of uh, drink. Uh, this does not do that. The sweetness of the Coke, as Kevin points out, does not mix well. It's too pronounced. And so all you get is this kind of weird, like fizzly red wine sugar combination. And it's just a mess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. Luckily, unlike... Uh, Ozzy, I'm not, I don't, like, 
I, I kind of enjoy wine, so I'm still making my way through it. But it is, yeah, it's not it's not a good situation. No, I, I wanted to give something creative a try. I could, I know, like Kevin said, I could have gone easy and just gone with the rum and coke. But uh, I wanted to try something new, something quote unquote multicultural, and it did not it did not work in my favor. <laughs> I appreciate it because I know I never want to drink that ever again. <laughs> it's, it's not good. Uh, and I feel like all the listeners, it is terrible. You taste red wine and you taste Coke at the same time. None of it goes together. Nothing plays off each other. Nothing blends together. There's no, like, cohesion. It is the most dichotomous drink that I've ever drank in my entire life and I'm surprised at how just separate each of these things could still stay after mixing together it goes to show how stupid the Spaniards are well it does kind of remind me I don't know if y'all have been to the world of coke where they do some of those like weird yeah, like the gross what was the really bitter one yeah um, the Indian one no it's from Europe but that's that's kind of what I was that's what I was kind of getting at was I was like this kind of tastes like one of those weird amalgamation drinks where it's like it's fizzy and the flavors don't work for where I'm from so it just kind of tastes it doesn't it doesn't mix well in your mouth and it just tastes kind of like yeah this has got to be the drink by the way this has got to be the drink that people make at the end of the night when there's a little bit of wine left and some coke left and they're already too drunk to really taste anything. Well, apparently it was like made, or first made, if I, the story that of the website I read it is accurate, it was first made at a concert where they like ran out of like fruit for the sangria, so they just started mixing in Coke, and apparently people liked that. And I'm like, okay, whatever. They must have been high on something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. They, they, were, they were smoking something, that's what I would say. Or maybe they were just so far in, they were like, yeah, let's keep going, why not? Um, but yeah, so... It's uh, Calamoco. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> so Ozzy, do you care to? Zero out of time. Yeah, care. This is probably the worst drink we've had on this show ever. Um, Ozzy, care to enlighten us as far as uh, the? Does your drink actually have a name? The mezcal and coffee. I, I couldn't really find a name because I think. Um, I mean, I think it's a very native drink to Mexico, and it's it's kind of kind of like yours. It's not a. It was kind of on a it's made on a whim. I feel like people of it's made it's famous by people who uh, distill mezcal, I guess, or help with the production of mezcal. And I guess they combine coffee and mezcal, something that's frequent in Mexico. It's a little easier to get those two than to get like water sometimes in Mexico. So um, those two have been combined in the area of Oaxaca, certain areas where mezcal is produced heavily. And apparently it's a really regular drink out there between... But they do drink it warm. I tried it cold because I, I don't like warm coffee. I just I can't get behind it. I don't really like coffee in general, but I'm okay with cold coffee. Um, and I went with... And I've seen a couple recipes for cold brews with mezcal. And, um, you know, I tried it and it's... I'm not going to say it's great, but it wasn't... It wasn't, your, it wasn't like yours... Like at least like you described yours, where it was just just off-putting because it didn't blend. I think the coffee does blend decently with mezcal um, because 
I think I've had mezcals that have kind of a earthy taste to them. Um, so adding a little bit of coffee, kind of, I wouldn't see as off-putting. Um, but I just I couldn't get behind the cold brew and mezcal combination. Um, no matter, I mean, I think one time I did try to put some creamer in it to just see what it was like with like something else, and it didn't save it, didn't do anything for me. Oh, uh, uh, I know we didn't really touch on this because I think we all know what mezcal is, but uh, like Kevin described, Uzo, do you mind going into what oh, mezcal so yeah, is? Sorry. Yeah, uh, mezcal is, is similar to tequila, but it's tr- it's it's uh, done a little different to where it, it kind of enhances the flavor to like. A more of a scotch leaning towards scotch it's got a little bit more of a smokiness um it's very very traditional in mexico it's very uh, uh native to mexico where um it's done it's very uh i think it's it's done by indigenous people back in the day and it's still kept as a traditional drink so they're usually made in specific states in mexico i think it's only like seven or eight states make them make the drink and uh, it's a drink that's actually taken off re- recently. Um, they have a lot of festivals for mezcal, and um, I've actually gotten recently into it. There's a bar around Raleigh. What's the name of it, Kevin? The... Oh, El Gallo Pelon. El Gallo Pelon. That uh, the guy there has a bunch of, you know, has a bunch of mezcals, and uh, you know, I like it because I mean, I do like Scotch, I do like tequila, and it's kind of an in between. Um, and it does have a little bit more earthy taste to it because it has some traditional flavors that are embedded into the drink, um, you know, like floral taste or, you know, different, especially depends on how they, um, and what they, uh, keep the, the mezcal cause they have different, like they can use like clay pots or they can use like, uh, uh, different, different containers and different styles of it. So it's a, it's a, it's a unique drink that, um, I have enjoyed. So when I saw that this was a mixed drink, I was like, you know what, let's try it because A, I like mezcal and B, I hate coffee. So I really wanted to see, I really kind of wanted to push myself to see, to try something new and different and see if it could save it and it doesn't save it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, Kevin, you're the only other one who tried it. So what are your thoughts? Uh, So just, just mezcal and so... Just to give you an idea, I made some cold brew, uh, and, and basically I just took a, you know a shot of a mezcal, uh, and it was aged mezcal. I used the Los Nopales, and I mixed it with the cold brew on ice. And I pretty much agree with Ozzy on this one. It it works better than the red wine and coca-cola but you your main players in this are bitter and smoke and it's like there's not a whole lot to help it uh so if we took regular coffee like a, a sugar creamed coffee which is why i was i was interested to hear what ozzy said about adding cream to it and saying that it didn't didn't help it at all um because there's there's a shot called a Mexican cockroach, which is uh, añejo tequila and Kahlua, which is basically what this is, except if you took all the sugar out of it. Um, I didn't. I would never make this drink again. The the mezcal and coffee. It, um, you it has to have some sugar to to get 
all of it together on this. It was very light. It was very bitter, even though I used cold brew. Um, and the smokiness just kind of made all of the imperfections of the drink kind of shine because you're getting hit by a lot of strong flavors and there's nothing to smooth anything out. So if I think if you took like a sugared coffee or a Kahlua and mix it with coffee and mezcal, I think you would have a very nice smoky drink. Um, but just straight up cold brew and mezcal, I cannot um, recommend. It was yeah, it, it was it was bitter and smoky. I drank it. Um, and I, I used good coffee. Don't say that I didn't use good coffee. I didn't go buy cold brew. I made it myself from a local roaster, ground, and, and made it myself. So, the coffee tastes great. I tasted it by itself. And just adding mezcal to it was a little tough. And I, I will say that out of all of this, I used an aged mezcal. The Los Nopales is, is um, a re, more of a reposado um, than a silver uh, tequila or, or mezcal, so that may have played into it a little bit more because I'm used to putting like whiskey or Jameson that's been aged a little bit into my coffee, so I, I opted for that one instead of a, a, a silver. Um, but yeah, they just they didn't play well without. I think the sugar or a syrup would have helped it. Quite a bit. I thought the cream would have helped it smooth out some of the bitterness, but I I didn't try that. I I might would if I did a full coffee like cream sugar coffee and then add mezcal to it. I might try that um, just to see. But at this time, I, I can't recommend it. Well, I will say. So I tried. I used a different um, uh, a different mezcal. I think it's called Sol de Oaxaca. And it's, this one is a more floral one. So I will say that this one, I did not get much bitter on my end. Um, I also made my own cold brew. Um, I, I used, uh, it wasn't local coffee, but it was some pretty good coffee. I actually did like, um, did enjoy the coffee aspect of it a little bit. Um, but it actually turned out not bitter. It was actually a little bit more smooth than I thought. But it still didn't really play very well together. But I will say... Um, I think you're right about adding, I guess, like a sugar note to it. I will say, after looking up more uh, information on the drink, I think traditionally, not traditionally, but in certain areas, they like to drink it hot, and they like to drink it with uh, like Mexican coffee, which is called Café de Olla, which is a uh, it's a special kind of coffee which is made with uh, a couple of other ingredients. Uh, let me see what it has. It has a panela, which is just like a unrefined sugar. Um, orange peel, cinnamon, and clove, and star anise. Like, all those things in the coffee. I feel like that actually may be very oh, that, good. That'd be, I feel that like that would still be... It would be good. I don't know if it would be the best thing I've had, but it would still no, no, be... No, I feel like that would definitely save it. I've, I've had that coffee, that coffee style before. I don't like coffee, but I have had that coffee, and it is completely different than just normal coffee, you know, black, or even with a little bit of sugar to save it. It's a completely different beast, so I think maybe that was something not super smoky mezcal because there is a wide variety of mezcal. You can get something more floral with you know 
hints of like a little not not necessarily sweet but not smoky at all and um if you did that with this coffee that I'm describing now, the Cafe de Olla, I think it would actually be very good. I think, I mean, like I said, like you said, not the best thing, but I think it's something I would enjoy more than what I had. So. Well, yeah, I think the, the sugar would help with some of the bitterness of the coffee. And then, like, the, the spices and the orange with that, like, citrus. Yeah, orange peel, cinnamon, star anise, and clove. I feel like all those things would pair very well. Yeah, it, those are very <laughs> strong flavors to help take the smoke in. Like, the clove is already a very, I would say, kind of, I will not say smoky, but, you know, like, it's got that kind of, like, deep flavor to it. That would help it blend. Yeah, it, it comes. It comes through the mix a lot. You know, it's, it's not yeah. something that just gets covered up by, uh, you know. Like, well, and coffee. Although we don't talk about it much on this podcast because we're not a coffee podcast. Um, it, it's a lot like beer. There's like a million different styles of coffee. So this one is kind of a drink where, I, you know, I don't like coffee in general. So I don't think I was ever going to like this drink, and I didn't even try it. So what do I know? But. Uh, I do feel like a lot can be said for trying different styles of coffees with mezcal to see what their impact is because depending on the region, depending on where you get them from, depending on what it's mixed with when it's brewed, all that has a big impact on the flavor of the coffee. So I feel like... I will say that I used a dark roast from Central America coffee for this. Well, because that would make the most sense, right? Because that's where it's like regionally from. More or less. Because that's what I like to drink. I don't like Ethiopian coffee. They're too light roasted with a lot of fruit notes and that. Well, that's what I was actually thinking. I was thinking like the Ethiopian style or maybe the African style would be like, might actually taste more interesting with it because it's sweeter, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, I I understand what you're getting at. I just, they're usually roasted a little bit lighter, so, but I think with something as strong as mezcal, you have to have another strong thing to balance it and then take take them both down with sugar like to blend them together so the, the hard roast from the central america like your coffee your roast your caramels with the mezcal which is just smoke and caramel and then sugar to bring them all to where it's a actual drinkable liquid yeah, I mean, I'm never going to drink it if I don't have to, so probably not my place to critique anyway, but I, it is an interesting thought that you there's a lot more that goes into the mixing, I guess. Whereas mine, it's like, you know, a red wine with Coke, you're probably not going to get like 15 different styles of Coke, but, you know, coffee, you could end up with like a million different types of coffee. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, uh, the... You could get some decent red wine or some light red wine, and it might work a little bit better than what I use. I used a Cabernet. I used uh, a I used a mixed, so I'm not sure if that was the right choice, but it's definitely not working. So either way, uh, I used I used a Cab Sav, and it was pretty light and kind of mellow, a uh, little fruity, like black currant kind of flavor. So it wasn't very good. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't ever buy it again. Let me put it that way for for the wine that I bought. And um, it didn't help it at all. I would rather have anything else in my Coke or not have the Coke at all. <laughs> Jack yeah. and Coke beat it out? Yes. Jack, and I don't... Just just throw this out there. I do not like Jack Daniels that much. Any bourbon is better than Jack Daniels. 
except for like Kentucky Gentleman. Come on, dude! Why are you trashing on the gym? Dude, Kentucky Gentleman's terrible. Virginia Gentleman's alright. I've never had Virginia Gentleman. Now that I think about it, I swear to God, if you go out and buy Kentucky Gentleman, I will come and kick your ass myself because it's so bad. I've learned the hard way. <laughs> we were gonna drink one night. Ozzy's like. Hey, I want to get some bourbon. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm like, is there anything? I'm like, yeah, you can go get some bourbon. That's cool. I got some at the house. I don't need any. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm like, do you want me to go with you? And he's like, no, I got it. Comes back with a fucking bottle of Virginia, or a Kentucky Gentleman. I, sit, I see it sitting on the island, and I was like, you had one job. This is the worst fucking shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> old Crow is better than this. And Old Crow is not good. If you come back to Emily later that night and you're all tore up and she's like, what happened? I fell down some stairs, honey. <laughs> they, oh, they, they, the they weren't married at this time. This was uh, pre-marriage. She was still in Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh. But yeah. But no, yeah. So don't, moral of the story, don't drink Kentucky Gentlemen. Got it. I don't know. Correct, yeah. If you're going to go bottom shelf, ancient age, and if you're really strapped for cash, old crow. But make sure you have enough money to pay for some ginger ale or something to go with it. Well, that was what they always told me in the fraternity house, is old crow is the best cheap one, if you can, if you have a choice. So For less than $10, yes. But that's a very low bar to set. You know, when you're a starving college kid, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. All the starving college kids who can acquire alcohol from a legal source, yes. Um, old Crow, you're going to hate it initially, but you'll grow into it. If you want something sweeter, go anything Canadian. Canadian Mist is what I drank back in the day, but I since thrown up off it, and therefore cannot drink it anymore. It's very sweet. Isn't that, I thought most of the Canadian ones were sweet. Uh, we, we need to do like a tasting series on this. Just do that solo. But uh, we still have some music. We do have some music to review. Any last thoughts before we move on to the music? Everything was shit except for my pick, which was surprising. And we didn't, and we didn't even get to drink your pick, so I don't know. I got, I got Uzo. I okay. got like half a bottle left. First well, of all, I have half a bottle left, which means I drank an entire half bottle in the past two weeks telling you how good this fucking drink is well then you gotta oh you're right you have been hyping this drink up for a while all right so you gotta invite us over once the covid ends we gotta try this out or just bring yeah. it either way or bring it to the next recording then once that covid ends and we'll try it out then either way yeah all right um so moving on i guess so i know it wasn't great just like my drink choice. So I'll go ahead and run off with uh, my album, if that's all right with y'all. So I got uh, 99 Luft Balloons by uh, Nanya, which for those who uh, are familiar with the English version, it's 99 Red Balloons. Uh, by Nina. By Nina. <laughs> so they are a German... And, and, uh, what's it called? Clarification. This was a compilation album, which... Which, which hurts me to listen to. But it is a compilation album of their la- of two albums prior where half of them were German and half of them were not. Uh, I, was, 
I was surprised by that. Yeah, well, this was the first... It was the first album they had with English lyrics, I think, because they translated some of their older songs. Yeah, yeah, they did. That's what they did. Yeah, so this was kind of a strange, like, collaboration, because for those of you not familiar, Nenya is a uh, German pop band, and yeah, they, they got on the charts with 99 Red Balloons, which is one of the best, I guess depends on your opinion, but one of the uh, most popular anti-war songs of the Cold War period. And so, yeah, uh, not much else to say about that. They're, they're very 80s, I would say. That is kind of what was reminiscent of to me in the album was a lot of guitar and a lot of, like, high-pitched kind of singing. Synth. Yeah, a lot of synth that they worked okay. in there. And, uh, I mean, overall, I... So the problem, so the problem with me is I actually like the German stuff more than I like the English stuff. But I think it had more to do with I didn't like the lyrics of the English stuff, and the German stuff I didn't have to think about what they were singing about. I could just be like, oh yeah, this music is pretty good, except for the one that stood out to me, which was Das Land der Elefanten, the land of elephants, which was just so fucking out there. I was like, what the hell is going on with this song? Uh, the rest of them though were. I don't know what y'all's opinion on them are. I the last I liked the music. It was just the lyrics and the singing kind of were questionable in some points. Um, and yeah, I, I can understand why the only track off the album to kind of take off was "99 Red Balloons," because uh, that one was a much more upbeat kind of high tempo song, whereas a lot of the other ones were slower and they didn't make as they were not as fun, I guess, is the way I think of it. They were trying to be more serious, and you can't really take an '80s pop band seriously. I don't know. That was that was kind of my takes uh, from listening to the album. Ozzy, I know you were not a fan. Uh, what is your opinion regarding this one? Well, I mean, the more I listen to it, the more. I mean, it's an '80s album, and it's really hard to. I will say that it did do a good job of not keeping of not. I and mean, again, it may be going back to what you said that because I wasn't listening to half the tracks for the content lyric wise, uh, the music itself actually kept me entertained. I, th- I think for an '80s album, it was. And again, I can't really. I'm, I'm. I'm giving it too much credit for a compilation album because with compilations albums, you can essentially make it your best hits. Or yeah, best you're essentially hits. putting together your best songs. Well, I don't like compilation albums or greatest hits and stuff like that. Which I'm, I'm um, trying to figure out who liked Dustland or Elephantin, but Kino was pretty good. Uh, I like Kino, so there's a couple things. I, I do like 80s music in a way, sometimes, right? Um, I do like the, the synth sounds, and I think they did that well. There was a song on here that was kind of jazzy that I really liked. I think it might be like Just a Dream or Let Me Be Your Pirate. These are really fucking Weird songs. I remember. Pirate, absolutely fucking terrible. I swear to God, that's the one. You <laughs> let me be it your. May not be, let me be your pirate. I don't remember which one it was. I think it was. It, was... One that had like a very jazzy feel to it. It had like a saxophone in it. Yeah, I, I think like it was that. question mark. I believe ended on like a long sax semi solo. Okay, so that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I really liked it. I was like, you know, I don't mind this. Um, and again, a lot of it I wasn't really actively listening to it because I knew half of these were in German. But that kind of helped. Um, but, I mean, I was entertained musically. Is it a great 
comp album, not really. I don't really like. I can understand why they're one hit wonder. You know, half of the time, '80s one hit wonders were one hit wonders because they were fast moving, like pop songs. I mean, there it was a pop song. It was a synth slash '80s song, and all you have most of the time they're playing it in gyms where you can do workouts and everyone loves it because it's fast beat and you can do a workout do it and no one cares like it's not really you know in depth in musically or lyrically but it's it's a fun song um well it was also it was also kind of interesting to me like the more i listened to this i mean i didn't realize it was a comp album until you told me recently but like when i listened to a lot of these songs it felt like they were kind of being jam bandy where it's like they had an idea and then they started with the idea and then they just kind of devolved into, well, we like this sound, so we're going to kind of toy around with it. And I was like, this is, so it doesn't feel like an American band where they had like the idea and then they like proned it and made an actual song out of it. They kind of just were like touring around with noises and maybe that's an 80s thing or maybe that's a German thing. I don't really know. Maybe, mean... maybe it's the fact that it's a comp album. I really yeah. think that wasn't fair to the album because at for a while, I, I was like, this is a very, <clears throat> for being in the 80s, it was a very um, diverse album. Because I thought they were all going to be very synthy, upbeat songs. And, 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 you know, not all of them were that way. So that did surprise me, but uh, it kind of makes sense with it being a comp album. They took some of the songs that were probably highlights, and the I guess the continuity of the album wasn't as uh, fluid. Yeah, it's definitely got some weird stuff in there. But, uh, Kevin, so you hated Let Me Be Your Pirate, which is also... It was another one of those titles. When I was looking at some of these titles, I was like, what the hell does this even fucking mean? But, uh, yeah, so, Kevin, what are, what are your thoughts on the album? Uh, you know, all right, so to throw this out there, I mean, I'm the guy who doesn't really listen to lyrics that much because I either can't understand them or don't care because I'm listening to the background. Uh, I didn't hate this album. It is quintessential 80s, though. Like, this is either 80s they're trying to sell you something, or 80s you're about to go into jazzercise. Every yeah, single last one of it. The voice of... I say Nina. Is that not right? Uh, uh, I can look it I, up. I don't know. I mean, I didn't I, I feel like I, I feel like Logan said something that wasn't Nina. But anyways... Her it's, voice is like... It's, it, they call it like Nay-nya. Like Nya. Nay-nya. Okay. Yeah. That's, anyway, so, so the voice of the lead singer, it's like this kind of 80s, sultry, kind of like trying to be sexy, but if you added like a whole bunch of squeak into it. Um, like if you took Screech from Saved by the Bell and made him into an 80s porn star. Isn't he a porn star? He, he might he, be. I said an he, 80s porn star, though. Yeah, well, he had, like, an actual... The actor had an actual porn tape, but it wasn't like... Oh, a, yeah, that's right. I wasn't lying. I thought he did. Yeah, and he had to convince his wife that he was not actually in that porn tape. He actually paid someone else to be in the porn tape for him. It's, it's a whole story. But anyway, point being... Yeah, like I just feel like every time I listen to any of these albums, I could just see like some Vaseline spread across a fucking uh, camera, so it's all fucking hazy, and then you're just watching some random '80s horseshit. 
<laughs> that being said, I didn't hate it. Lenny Beer Pirate is fucking terrible. For me, it was. It is, for it me, was the worst. For me, it was the Elephant Land was the worst. That, all right, so going off that, if if Ninja was going to put out an album today, I think Das Lander Elefanten would be her number one hit. Because it's so fucking weird. Because they have all these weird elephant sounds and other horse shit in it. That is, like, if she was trying to be a pop star today, that would be her hit. The rest of them is 80s pop. Like, the Rhythmic, or whatever, Rescue Me, and and 99 Love Balloons, Hanging on You, Just a Dream, Kino, all those have the same fucking feel to them. With the same voice, which is great because she was in the 80s, and the 80s is this is what you wanted. But today, Das Lander Elefanten would be the number one hit out of this fucking album because it's so goddamn weird. I slapped this shit on at 7 something in the morning because I had already listened to the first six. So I got in my car, I'm like, where did I leave off? Oh, the land of the fucking elephants. Slapped it on. The first thing I hear is 7.30 in the morning in my car. And I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing today. <laughs> so accurate. Oh, but, you know, in the end, it was a very unique song out of all the other 80s nonsense. And I, I say nonsense because it's not my style of music. If you were an 80s fan, you would probably love most of the song other than Let Me Be Your Pirate. That, that whole song is just horse shit. That thing should be obliterated off the fucking face of the planet. But the rest of them, if you're an 80s fan, this album's not that bad. It's a little jarring to listen to the German, um, but I also don't really listen to the lyrics that much, so I didn't really have an issue with that. I, I do like the point that you bring up where I do think this would be a pretty popular style nowadays, both because it's kind of weird, but also because I think they do what a lot of bands nowadays kind of do where they're like, these songs really make no sense, but they're trying to be very serious with them. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of 99 Red Balloons. The idea is ridiculous that you would release 99 Red Balloons and would start a nuclear war. But yeah, you know, the the idea itself is so... Like poignant people get really clutch onto him. I did. I just can't stop laughing. The Das Landa Elefanten. I was driving into work. I was halfway there, and then that popped up on my screen, and I was like, "Is that the land of the elephants in German?" And also now you're. I was like, "Well, yep, that's that's happening." All right. <laughs> but it's not like they got the sound of an elephant. And no, it's all synth. Into the thing, they made like a synth <laughs> elephant noise. So crazy! It's the eighties. What do you expect? The synth was fucking I'm telling you right now, if this shit came out today, that song would be the number one. I will say it is a good song. I did. I mean, it was one of the ones that stood out because I think that one. I, I don't know. That was the one where, as soon as I listened to it, I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit more diverse because it started out very like tribal. It had those drums. Obviously, the whole fucking elephant sound. What you know was kind of jarring. But it had like a drum intro where it was very tribal like, and then the 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 melody was pretty good. I mean, I, I like the singing in it. I mean, and it was I think it's the uh, it's one of the first German ones. Cause the first five 
were English, and then Kino was the first German, and then this is the second German. Yeah, I like. Yeah, thank God they ended on Let Me Be Your Pirate for the English. I actually like the. Yeah, Kino was good. I mean, I'm kind of 50 50 on Das Land der Elefanten, because the synth. Like but uh, Lighthouse was good. Rhett Mick, Rescue Me was good. Yeah, yeah I like I think all of them were all of the German ones were pretty good. It was the English ones that I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like just Let a, me be your pirate is awful. Just a dream was not great either. Question mark was okay, but it got kind of like, like I said, it was turned into like a jam band session with the, yeah. and then uh, you know, ninety nine red balloons and hanging on you were you know what they are. So yeah, yeah. I I I I don't know. I wasn't like I wasn't like in love with it, but again, I wasn't expecting to be, so it didn't really bug me that much. But yeah, very eighties. I think it's, I think it's worth checking out if you're an eighties fan. Uh, if you're not, eh, you know, it it it's it's interesting to know where these things come from. It's probably not up your alley though. Uh, all right, who wants who wants to go next with their album? Uh, eeny meeny miny Kevin, your idea, your album. Alright, yeah, I mean, I chose uh, Welcome Interstate Managers by Fountains of Wayne. Uh, Their one-hit wonder is Stacy's Mom, and that is all they should ever be fucking known for. This album was absolute trash. I understand why they are not more popular. I don't understand why they have more than one fucking album. The shit was terrible. It's this. Their band is if you mixed Oasis with Bowling for Soup. It's a joke band, but they're all fucking slow. Like, it's stupid. If you're going to joke, have a more upbeat so, like, the fucking puns come and punch you, and you're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. All right, oh, I'm on to the next one to keep you interested. But no, they're all just terrible. Like, I heard this whole album was good by somebody and that person's a piece of shit so I should have known <laughs> that this his opinion would also be a piece of shit uh, Eric Sexton, if, you're, if you're listening you're still a sorry excuse for a piece of shit if you're listening, like, this whole album is bad I don't want you to listen. So I'm just, I, I don't want to like interrupt you but I am looking at the Metacritic score 86 on Metacritic like I'm shocked at how high this album is um, they, they paid somebody for that shit. I don't. Every half of their songs are fucking slow. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense for them to be slow. Like Hack and Sack and Mexican Wine were okay. Like I'm okay with that. Like out of frame of mind. But having listened to the other songs on the album, yeah, like just Valley just Winter stupid. song drove me crazy. I was like, oh my god, this is really it was yeah, kind of bad. That one dragged out. Like, ugh. I mean, I get the point of Haley's Waitress, but you don't do a slow song about your waitress not coming to your table. Like, that's not funny. That's not interesting. I've had it happen to me. It's a real-life event, but it's not good. If you're gonna do a joke, have a fucking more upbeat. Like, oh, I fucking you know, just spilt my drink or something. Like, it's, it's, it's exciting because my waitress isn't here. I can't. Uh, I'm sitting at my table and, you know, oh, my waitress isn't here. My, my drink's going low, I guess. I don't, eh, 
I'm going to take the opposite side just on that particular song because I'm like, it does kind of reminisce the feel of being stuck at your table waiting for the song to end. Be like, come on, let's go already. This is ridiculous. I don't think that's what they were going for. No, probably not. I think what they were going for is let's make it melancholy because that makes it even more funny. But that was the biggest thing I had. The problem I had with this whole album was that they had like two or three songs that were funny, and their biggest song is a funny song, right? Stacy's mom. Um, But like everything else was not funny. Everything else was serious and like melancholy, and it it was off putting for me because I didn't really. I don't want to listen. I don't. I don't like the dichotomy there where it's like. Hey, you know, we're kind of serious. We're talking about these couple things like, hey, I hope you come back. You know, I remember when we were hanging out, when we were, we would go to school together. Now you're famous. Hopefully you come back to this place. Or, hey, your mom's hot. You know, I, I want to yeah. be here. Like, I, I hate that. Going back and forth. And it made it even worse when I brought this up earlier. When I found out when they wrote this, half this music, they were like in their late 30s. Like, I, this sounds like a fucking 21 year old wrote it. Oh yeah, for sure. This is like it, you know, the first dish, bowling for soup level shit. But if you just slowed everything down, well, I will say that there are a little bit more. There are some upbeat songs, and those are honestly the best ones. Like I, yeah, I don't care with Mexican right. wine. Yeah, um, I like. Casey's um, mom is great. Bright Future and Sales is actually a really fun, good song. Oh yeah, Not, that, that one was pretty. That cool. one was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else is uh, I think Little Red Light was good too. Um, there's so many that were just slow and yeah, on that jokes that weren't that funny. And the worst part is this album is an hour long. It's too fucking long. Oh, it's no ridiculous. No one wants to listen to an hour of anything. I'm sorry. It just doesn't matter if your album's good, your album's bad. No one wants to listen to an hour. So especially like especially nowadays with our attention span, it's just a little hard. And you're right, Kevin. The bulk of it in the middle is all slow. Like, Valley Winter Song, all the way to, like, Peace and Love. Like, that shit was not good. Can I, it was just break it up a little. Can I, can I give a little backstory before I kind of give my opinion? I, I, my opinion is very similar to yours, but... Uh, so some background on this. This When they made this album, apparently they had just been kicked off their last album, like, oh, yeah, label. I, I just read yeah. And so this was like their album to like get back on the label, and Save them. the other the other the new label was like we got to get a demo tape before you do that, and they were like fuck you, we're not going to do a demo tape, we're just going to make a whole fucking album and give it to you. And I, it doesn't actually say whether or not this worked, but I does say the Stacey's mom was a hit, obviously. So I guess well, this I mean, segment- said it was an '86, which again I also agree. I find it hard to believe that so many people favorably enjoyed this album like i'm okay if there's a mixed bag like 70 percent people liked it or a 70 percent on metacritic but 86 is high as hell dude this is way too high for an hour-long album where it drones on half the songs and, but i will say that i was actually very surprised because i came in with the mentality of stacy's mom like i was like all right so i guess what kind of jokes am i going to hear like what kind of silly stuff i'm going to hear and when we got to hackensack Again, I don't like the back and forth, but I actually, as a song itself, I like Hackensack. And it makes more sense that they're 40-ish when they wrote this, you know, late 30s, because I can hear their, 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 their older souls. I can hear some of their influences being older than more modern, I guess. If it came out in 2000, I wouldn't say that they were, like, they sounded like they were 21-year-olds, even though they do. Um, some of these songs do have, like, some, just, like, 
I don't know. It just have an older feel to them. Like I said, Hack and Sack. Valley Winter Song, even though I didn't like that song. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just, I wasn't a huge fan. I, like I said, there were songs that I probably will listen to again, like Hack and Sack, Bright Future and Tales. Probably that's it. Um, Stacy's Mom. That's the only one. Yeah. I, I hate that song, dude. I hate that song. I just, what? Your excuse? That song's great. I mean, it's funny, but I just, I don't like silly funny songs like that it also kind of that song takes on a whole creepier aspect knowing that they were like in their 40s when they wrote that i was like whoa (laughs) the song's about when they were kids but it's still just a little weird i think of like 40 year old guys singing it i think of like a live setting and they're singing it to their concert at their concert and it just seems off i don't know Uh, well I, i think the main issue with my with this song is that you set of tone Within the first three songs, Mexican Wine, Bright Future, and Salem Stacey's Mom. I mean, they're they're pretty. I mean, especially Bright Future and Salem Stacey's Mom. They're they're very jokey songs. And then you start getting these like very serious songs. I'm like, what what kind of album is this? It's, yeah, that's, I hated that. I, I did not. I couldn't get on board with it. You started out just so one tone, and then you. In the middle, you just drug on in a different tone. That if your people are getting brought in for Bright Future and Sales and Stacy's Mom, which is kind of what we did. I mean, it was a one-hit wonder, so that's what brought us here. The rest of the songs are not going to hit that same note for you. They yeah. are well either the- jokey and slow or not jokey and slow. Well, and the more time I spent with their music, the more upset I was by it, if that makes any sense. They have this thing, and maybe maybe I'm misreading it. I don't know. Y'all can tell me. They have this thing of trying to cram as many words into like a section of their song as possible. That was where I was kind of like with Hackensack and Valley Winter Song. I was like, y'all were just like trying to get as many words in as possible, even though it's a really slow song. Like, I don't know why you need to drag out your lyrics like this and it just started wearing on me like the more because they can't apparently sing upbeat songs so they uh have to fit a bunch of words into slow songs yeah it was just like it just like dragged like you said it dragged on and on and on and i was kind of riding high after the uh first but not not even really mexican wine mexican wine was catchy but bright future and sales and stacy's mom were what really got me there so it's kind of riding off, high off of that, and then everything after was just like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't really have any desire to listen to any more of this. If I'm being completely honest, I think I got past hung up on you, and I was just like, I'm done. I'm not getting anything else yeah, out of this. You should have been there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, there's nothing else I'm getting out of this. What, what, what else am I gonna hear that's gonna change my mind? And honestly, everything else after that was also pretty boring too like peace and love is probably the worst thing on this album well and for for the listeners who are for the listeners who have not listened to this album hung up you on you is the 11th track out of 17 yeah i mean i know ozzy said that it was an hour long but yeah 11 out of 17 tracks is freaking ridiculous at least i didn't mind peace and love that much uh like overall like it was it was all right because it was slightly upbeat and I, that's the kind of refreshing thing. I, just completely ignoring the lyrics. 
It was a nice, refreshing note because it was more upbeat than everything else in front that of it. That is fair. It was the first upbeat one since Little Red Light, which is like five songs of just straight shit. Oh, okay. wait. Um, I just... Glider's horse shit, so just, by the way. Yep. Glider's kind of like a terrible Oasis cover. Which, I'm uh, telling you, there, it's Bowling for Soup if you mix it with Oasis. You took the slowness from Oasis and tried to jokey-ass horse shit. Which, I mean, I love Bowling for Soup, don't get me wrong, well, and, but, and, but it, with the lyrics of Bowling for Soup and mix it with the slowness of Oasis, and it, they don't go together. In, in their defense, I mean, that was the sound of that time. I mean, it's not like they were, you know, generations different. I mean, they were they came out in the same early 2000s kind of era, and that was just kind of what, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's a very straightforward melody, it's an acoustic guitar, and, you know, a couple of layerings, and it's not that impressive. Also, yeah, I mean, I, I want to take this opportunity to just say, Bowling for Soup, great band. Also, love their work on Phineas and Ferb. Uh, don't listen that's to this album. Don't listen that's to Phineas Fa- Bowling for Soup, great. Oasis, great. Together, absolute trash. Fa- yeah, don't listen to Fountain of Wayne. I'm not even sure I would say that Oasis is great. Oasis is. Yeah, I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, on, I'm on Team Logan right now. I don't. I don't think Oasis is that great. They had oh, some. They had some good songs. I think they they find a, kind of fit into this category. They had a couple of very good songs, and then I don't know about the rest of their dis- discography. I wouldn't say that's they're. True. I've really listened to like two or three songs by Oasis. That's my name. So they they might be in the same category. Yeah. But. So I mean, great might be a bit of a stretch, but you know, I don't think they're like. I don't think they're as bad as Fountains of Wayne. But hey, apparently their songwriter went on to do a bunch of work in movies, so I I don't think they're really complaining that much about their music career. Well, the songwriter for for Fountains of Wayne ended up dying of COVID, so he's he's probably not complaining either. Yeah, he's not complaining at all. He he can't do it now. He's gone. Yeah, that was so bizarre that you found out that he died. He literally died like two, three months ago on April 1st. Yeah. Not a fool's joke. He died of COVID. Yeah. Actually, what's the story? Morning Glory is not that bad of an album. It's much better than this Fountains of Wayne album. I take it back because I've listened to that whole thing. Although I'm listening to the discography, I'm looking at his discography in the movies, not the, not the Oasis discography. I'm listening to the the Fountains of Wayne singer songwriter discography. Like he doesn't really have that many good movies that he was in either. Okay, I, I feel like. Wrong <laughs> Uh, we're getting we're getting off topic. Uh, Ozzy, care to tell us about your album? <laughs> yeah, so I went with the one hit wonder, uh, "Closing Time" by Semisonic. It's a band, Semisonic. Uh, "Closing Time" is was a massive hit um, back in the day. I think when was it released? I had, I'm trying to just pull it up. Uh, 1998. March. The album was released. Yeah, 1998. So the song was probably it went around it went platinum. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Well, it, I think. Well, we'll get to that, but it's, um, so late 1999, uh, the 90s, excuse me, um, and Closing Time was their only hit. After that, I don't think I ever heard of Semisonic ever again, um, and I, I like Closing Time. It's a very good pop, um, kind of, kind of alternative pop song. Um, they're technically classified as alternative rock power pop post-grunge. I would not put them post-grunge. That's a hell of a lot of titles. Fuck, man. But power pop and alternative rock, I mean, I'd probably put, like, alternative pop. It's a combination of the two. Because, you know, they did have a lot of, like, heavier elements to them. They had, you know, some some heavier guitars in some of their uh, songs. 
Um, and that's what I liked about Closing Time. It, it started off very kind of like melancholy, like um, acoustic guitar-like. And the only downside to Closing Time is that it's it's very droning until they add that uh, electric guitar that, that kind of like lifts the song. Um, because other, other than that, it's like it's one of those famous songs that is made of four chords and it never changes. It's four chords straight front to back. That's it. And you could probably learn that on guitar, probably one of the easiest songs to learn. So that's kind of, when I listened to the album, that's kind of the sense I got on most of this. They were very straightforward songs. And the ones that I really enjoyed were the ones where they didn't do that. So there was a couple, like maybe three or four songs where they didn't just play acoustic guitar and then every now and then would bring in a heavy guitar uh, to back it up. Um, some of the best songs on here was where they had like a leading piano part or a leading guitar part most of the times they didn't have like a lead guitar they just had like a backing rhythm guitar and it makes for, for me boring music really like i just need something to draw me in besides the singer which the singer is actually a really good singer i like he did kind of give me like an oasis vibe uh, um kind of that sound early 2000s late 90s um pop um and like i said there were some standout tracks um, overall, I thought it was a good album. I actually didn't wasn't too upset by it. Even the slower songs, they were fine. I just didn't really like them a lot. But there was a pleasant surprise in some of these songs for me. Um, so um, that's what I got out of it. I got a big like. Some of these songs remind me of like random bands like Oasis or um, like Ben Folds Five or um, I'm not sure. It was it was. Uh, Nothing I've never heard, but it was it was it was nice to listen to. I, I think it was my favorite out of the three. I, I did feel like they were replicating something else. I couldn't quite put my finger on all of it, but I do feel like with a lot of these out songs, they're kind of like replicating different styles, which might be why they have so many different like adjective classifications on their. Well, I think that's because I mean it was that time, and it they weren't like ahead of their time or you know, retro sounding. They sounded like a 90s band. And that's what half the stuff sounded like. So it wasn't too out there. But, yeah. you know, they they did have good music. It wasn't like it was just phoned in. Well, I thought it was, like, very catchy. I, I think those were the songs that kind of stuck with me. Not, I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I didn't pay attention to the nuance like you did, Ozzy. I kind of paid more attention to the catchy songs. Like, Singing in My Sleep really stuck with me. Se oh, I hate that. Song, Secrets, dude. Secret Smile was kind of cute, and D and D, D and D for some reason. So yeah, I feel like we liked it for different reasons. Obviously, and that's fair. I mean, and honestly, the only reason I didn't like singing in my sleep, and that's probably my least favorite song, and only because of one thing, and that was the stupid like, like the returning melody that they had on it, the the um, like the droning like. Do, 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 do. Well, what did it sound like? Do 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 something that like that. No, that's not what it sounds the, like. The part like, afterwards, you mean? No, oh, I don't remember. Oh, it's... Doo, 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 doo. It's not like they used a play keyboard yeah. from a Target store. They grabbed, like, a fucking, like, baby keyboard and used that to play the melody. And it sounds so terrible in comparison to the rest of the track that it I just automatically skip that song. It did have some... In, it's, like, it's like, it starts like a normal song and all of a sudden it comes in... You know, have you ever um, what's his name? Um, Jimmy Fallon does like a special where he takes like artists and he plays with the roots and they all play like baby toys. That's what it fucking sounds like. 
It sounds huh. like they took a fucking baby keyboard and played the song. It did have some weird, like, yeah, they did have some weird choices in that song, but it was catchy enough that it stuck with me. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like some other songs. Completely Pleased was, like, weird. Uh, yeah, that one was really weird. I also yeah. did not like it. Oh, I liked that one. That was pretty good. Really? Uh, I, I didn't like that. My favorite one was Never You Mind. That's the one that had, like, the piano track, and it was very upbeat, and it had, like, their bass was actually, it actually did something special. It, it had a fuzz bass on it. It probably had, like, a synthesizer on it, too, and it sounded just like a Ben Folds 5 song. I just thought that... I just felt that it was kind of repetitive. Like, it seemed like he was just saying the same thing over and over again by the end of the song. And I was just like, okay, we get it. We're being popular. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I would say I did like this album. I would probably listen to this album again, so I would have to put it as my favorite out of the three that we picked. Um, I mean, I'm not, like, super high on this album. I'm just saying I think it was, like, it was a, it was enough for me to be like yeah I could I could definitely listen to this again I can see why people like it um, yeah I, will, I definitely have songs that I will put into my rotation of like playlists and stuff before I do anything with the other two albums yeah uh, I mean I, I mean go ahead Kevin yeah like this was like late nineties knockoff brand music this is like the Doctor Perky of 90s music like it wasn't quite butt rock but it still kept my interest throughout it like completely pleased was it was fairly funny but with the style and funniness they also backed it up with some other like horse shit like it wasn't slow throughout the entire thing California was awful and she spreads her wings were also awful those two songs I hated the most out of all of it. Actually, Gone to the Movies is not that good. So as I continuously look at these titles, I'd say probably three quarters were okay to good. Um, and I will agree that this is probably the best of the three that we listened to, Fountains Away being the least by far. And if you don't want to listen to the lyrics, Ninja... Uh, up there, but like closing time was good. Secret smile, decent D and D, kind of funny. Like they they were still trying to play on some of that funny lyric stuff. I think if they're trying to be serious in this, then I completely disagree with this entire album. Like I feel like none of it make any sense if they were serious in a lot of these songs. But I think that overall the beat was good, the tempo was good the sound was you know like where i wanted it to be like on uh, like i still say dr perky so it's like good shit light so it's not what i but it, it's like not what i want to listen to but it, like, yeah 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 it's like sprint light i'm gonna crack open a few lukewarm ones with the fellas it's not i'm cracking open some cold ones with the boys like what i want but it, it'll get the job done. It's not... Like, closing time, everybody knows it, unless you work at a place where closing time plays at closing time, because then you hate that fucking song, or you love it because you know you get to go home. But the rest of them, they were aggressively okay. They were in there. I see what they were trying to do. 
they didn't achieve greatness, but they weren't fucking bad like Fountains of Wayne. So, I mean, they're, they're in there. They're, they're in there. I didn't want to gouge my fucking ears out while I was listening to it, but I probably wouldn't listen to it again. It's well, aggressively okay. I will say this is also kind of more for our generation, because this is the only one that was in like the late 90s, which I think was when we were all growing up. I know I'm a little older than you guys by like a year, but yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I was eight. So yeah, I mean, it was all kind of like when we were growing up. So we probably have familiarity with that style of music. So I don't know, but yeah, I I liked I liked this one. Uh, I definitely got some things to add to my playlist on this guy, but I uh, I wouldn't say it was like blown away. I don't think. I think if there's anything that will be learned from this particular recording, it's just that uh, you shouldn't be going off of one-hit wonders for picking an album. Because it does, it does not seem to work out, at least in our experience. No. There's a reason that all of these people were one-hit wonders. Semisonic is on the fringe of greatness, but they are just too much Splenda instead of actual too, sugar. Too much Splenda. Fountains of Wayne, they got fucking lucky. Oh my god, that they made any fucking money. The most surprising thing out of this entire podcast is that they have like five fucking albums. <laughs> I don't I, know how they got away with more than one fucking song. What's scary, what's scary is their, that was their third album that we listened to. So yeah, they had two albums before that. that. <laughs> and if they're all an hour long, that's 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 got to be a new set of torture right there. I... Dude, it's bad, like, just not good. Please do not listen to the Fountains of Wayne album. And <laughs> if you if you are Fountains of Wayne, listen to this podcast. Shame on you. Shame. Shame on you. Do better. I know one of them's not listening. Oh, yeah, because he, he did. Well. All right. Yeah, they're, I think they've got a reunion tour getting back together, which is pretty impressive because the oh, lead no, singer is not, dead. Not anymore, they don't. <laughs> uh, if they did, no one's going to go to that concert. Well, I mean, I, I stand corrected because, I mean, there were people that went to a Chainsmokers concert in the middle of the fucking corona. I go to a uh, Chainsmokers concert. What the fuck, dude? That's just dope, bro. Put throwing some Billie Eilish. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Someone is really angsty. I mean, I can't take any more angst. My hair is just dyed black. <laughs> just like, just like swayed to the side. Ah, oh, so much angst in my room. But anyway, uh, duh. I listened. I listened to a podcast about the. Uh, I forgot this even happened, but they had that Broadway musical for American Idiot by Green Day, and I was like, you can't, oh, yeah. can't get more angsty than that. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> All First right. of all, fuck them, America. Even though we're shit, you don't get to talk shit about us. <laughs> oh, is that? still sell fucking albums here. I bought that album up. That's pretty solid. I did not. There, Green Day is one of the worst fucking concerts I've ever been to in my entire life, but this is neither here nor there. Raleigh! I they, they interrupted every single fucking one of their songs to yell out Raleigh, North Carolina, or South Carolina. Or well, fuck Trump. Yeah, or fuck Trump. Which, I mean, we I feel like most people agree with that, but... I sure hope so. I heard their interaction... So again, because I'm not familiar with... Well, I know Dookie, but I'm not familiar with the rest of their discography. 
But I heard from the musical podcast, it's like their interaction with the fans was a high point in the show. And I'm like, so the show wasn't great, but they were hanging out with the fans, so that was cool, I guess. I don't want to go to a show to <laughs> hang out with musicians. I want to go to a show to see you play the song. Music, yeah, there you go. Um, but anyway, this wasn't a bash on Green Day, uh, or it wasn't supposed to be, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. First, first Foo Fighters forgot his good socks, and I told him he better play. <laughs> and then he shut up real quick, too. All right, uh, well, it's been fun. Uh, y'all have a good rest of your night out there. Stay safe with the COVID. And until next time, uh, don't stick to the wonders, not to the albums. Good night, yeah, everybody. Bye.